For the last several weeks, we've been looking at the vow of the Nazarite. And on today, we're going to look at an entire family of Nazarites. Jeremiah, the prophet, was sent by God to go and talk to this family. And they became an example used in a prophetic word to the nation of Judah. We're going to learn about this family on today. Stay tuned. You were listening to Good Treasure Podcast Show with your Bible teacher, Darius Good. He is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center and founder of Good Treasure Ministries. He is the author of the books Unlocking Godly Wisdom, Fear of the Lord, David, Man of War, and the children's book series The Adventures of Rai Rai. For more information, visit the website at dariusgood.com. For more information regarding the church, visit the church's website at bgc.family. And now, here's your Bible teacher. Darius Good. Thank you for joining us on today. You're listening to the Good Treasure Podcast Show. My name is Darius Good. I am the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center, which is located in Hamden, Connecticut. If you're interested in visiting our website, the church's website, go to bgc.family. There you can learn our times for the services as well as our Bible study, which we call Push. You could join us every Friday. At 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, where we cover a lot of different subjects. And so uh, join us virtually for that experience there on the website. Once again, bgc.family or you can go to bgc.family forward slash virtual. Visit my website today, dariusgood.com. you learn more about all of my books. I have several books that are available All that information is there on the website, as well as my other podcast show, where we focus on divorced Christians. We have the Divorced Christian Podcast Show, as well as this platform, which allows me to teach on a lot of different subjects. And both of these podcast shows are available on streaming platforms. You can find them on Apple Podcasts, as well as on Spotify. Once again, all that information is found right there on the website at DariusGood.com. For the last several weeks, we've been looking at the vow of the Nazarite, which you find in Numbers chapter 6. And so on today, um, we're going to discuss this vow briefly, and then we're going to take a look at a family of Nazarites. It's a very fascinating story. And so on today, you're listening to episode 21. It's entitled An Entire Family of Nazarites. Before we take a look at this family, let's begin in Numbers chapter 6, where we find the vow of the Nazarite explained. So the the Nazarite laws, as explained by Moses, we can begin at verse 2. It says, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If any of the people, either men or women, take the special vow of a Nazarite, setting themselves apart to the Lord in a special way, They must give up wine and other alcoholic drinks. They must not use vinegar made from wine or from other alcoholic drinks. They must not drink fresh grape juice and they must not eat grapes or raisins. As long as they are bound by their Nazarite vow, they're not allowed to eat or drink anything that comes from a grapevine, not even the grape seeds or skin. And I'm reading from the NLT version. Verse five, there's more restrictions. They must never cut their hair throughout the time of their vow, for they are holy and set apart to the Lord until the time of their vow has been fulfilled. 
they must let their hair grow long. And they must not go near a dead body during the entire period of their vow to the Lord. For if the dead person is their own father, mother, brother, or sister, they must not defile themselves, for the hair on their head is the symbol of their separation to God. This requirement applies as long as they are set apart to the Lord. And I'll stop there. As I highlighted, as we've been teaching on the Nazarite vow, the vow requires you to be set apart unto something and from something. Unto something and from something. This detail is very important. You don't really hear it highlighted too much. But when it comes to a covenant, when it comes to a vow, you are highlighting or uh, dictating things that you will do and things that you won't do. And this is one of the problems I see as a pastor, as I've uh, mediated with families, as I've talked with marriage couples. They don't realize the vow that they made. They detail things that they would do and things that they would not do. And so when people say to me, I have a covenant with God, my question to them is, what are you permitted to do and what things are you not permitted to do? And please understand, this is not a biblical or a theology question because, well, I don't commit adultery. Well, you're not supposed to be doing that anyway. To be set apart means you've been removed from the group. So there's things that the group can participate in. There's things for the group that's permissible that you yourself would not be permitted to do. And so we're going to spend a little more time on this concept later, but I wanted to highlight the fact that that those that took the Nazarite vow set themselves apart, a vow of consecration to be used by God. It was a vow unto God And then there was a list of things they were not permitted to do. So they weren't permitted to drink things that came from the vine. So wine was off limits and they were not able to eat anything that came from the vine. So it was dealt with grapes and raisins and things of that nature. They also were not permitted to cut their hair. And they also, the last thing on the list was they were not permitted to be around the dead So it listed their mother, father, brother. So those of close relationship, they could not go to their funerals if they died. And also if a person dropped dead in front of them, they were also defiled by that experience. I think we went through the details on several weeks ago where uh, they weren't even permitted to comb their hair. If they scratched their hair and hair fell out, that was fine. But they they would break their vow if they used a comb or some other chemical agent that caused their hair to come out. And it's a very interesting vow because they did have issues back then. And I guess as well as today where certain uh, diseases or um, things of this nature would affect their hair, causing their hair to fall out or things like this. And so there was laws in place or rules in place to deal with that sort of uh, medical attention that was needed where now the hair comes out, you find a requirement of them having to redo the last 30 days of the vow. Whereas if they were defiled uh, themselves by being around a dead person, a corpse, 
then they were required to begin the vow over from that point. So if it was a three-year vow, seven-year vow, then it started once again from the point that they were defiled. And we see once uh, another rule in place was that the person that took the vow had the ability to determine the length of the vow. So there were three types of vows. Um, And you could go back to episode 18, where we covered the three types of Nazarites. On today, we're going to look at a family of Nazarites. They are described in Jeremiah chapter 35. So we'll begin at Jeremiah 35, verse 1. It says, The word which came unto Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, Go unto the house of the Rechabites, speak unto them, and bring them into the house of the Lord, into one of the chambers, and give them wine to drink. At this point in the story, it's not clear whether or not Jeremiah knew the Rechabites were a family of Nazarites. It's a very interesting instruction that the prophet is to take this family, bring them into a chamber, and offer them wine. That's the only instructions that Jeremiah received from God. So at verse 3, it says that I took Jazaniah, the son of Jeremiah, the son of Habazaniah, and his brethren, and all his sons, and the whole house of the Rechabites. So in this verse, we have three generations listed. Jazaniah, who is the son of Jeremiah, who was the son of Habazaniah. So Jazaniah and his sons and all of his brothers, they all came into the chambers. And so at verse, we're going to jump down to verse five. I set before the sons of the house of the Rechabites pots full of wine and cups. And I said unto them, drink ye wine. Here's their response. Verse six. They said, we will drink no wine for Jonadab, the son of Rakab, our father commanded us saying, ye shall drink no wine, neither ye nor your sons forever. So they're listening to their father, Jonadab, who instructed them not to drink wine ever. He gave them more instructions. Verse seven, neither shall ye build house nor sow seed nor plant vineyard, nor have any. But all your days you shall dwell in tents, that ye may live many days in the land where ye be strangers. So they're forbidden to build towns, villages, cities. They're forbidden to become farmers. They're not to be settled in the land. They were to be nomadic, living in tents, recognizing that they're strangers in a foreign land. So these are not Israelites. Let's go to verse eight. Thus have we obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father in all that he hath charged us to drink no wine all our, our days. We are wives, our sons and our daughters. So once again, the Nazarite vow could be taken by both male and female. We saw that in Numbers chapter six. And they haven't built any houses for them to dwell in. That's verse nine. Neither have we vineyard, nor field, nor seed. 
But we have dwelt in tents and have obeyed and done according to all that Jonadab, our father, commanded us. And then he explains that when uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came, that's when they went to Jerusalem for fear of the army of the Chaldeans and for fear of the army of the uh, Syrians. So now they do dwell in Jerusalem, but all this time they were living in their tents, living, living as a nomadic people. At this point, God then speaks to Jeremiah. This is verse 12. Then came the word of the Lord unto Jeremiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Go and tell the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Will ye not receive instruction to hearken, to listen to my words, saith the Lord. Verse 14. The words of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, that he commanded his sons not to drink wine, are performed. They kept that word. They were obedient to the words of Jonadab. So it says, for unto this day they drink none, but obey their father's commandment. Notwithstanding, I have spoken unto you, rising early and speaking, but ye hearken not unto me. At verse 15, I have sent also unto you all my servants, the prophets, rising up early, sending them, saying, Return ye now every man from his evil way and amend your doings. Go not after other gods to serve them, and ye shall dwell in the land which I have given to you and to your fathers. But you have not inclined your ear nor hearkened unto me. Verse 16, because the son of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, have performed the commandments of their father, which he commanded them. But this people have not hearkened unto me. Verse 17, Therefore, thus saith the Lord of God of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I will bring unto Judah and upon all the inhabitants of Jerusalem all the evil that I have pronounced against them, because I have spoken unto them, but they have not heard, and I have called unto them, but they have not answered. And at verse 18, Jeremiah said unto the house of the Rechabites, he's about to prophesy over this family, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, because you have obeyed the commandment of Jonadab, your father, and kept all his precepts and done according to all that he hath commanded you. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab, the son of Rechab, shall not want a man to stand before me forever. So God pronounced a, a, uh, a word over this family. This word is a perpetual agreement with the Rechabites that a Rechabite will stand before God forever. So we highlight the relationship between Abraham and God. And we look at the, the children of Israel with Jacob, you know, names being changed to Israel. And we talk about their relationship with God forever. But now we found another family in the scriptures, the Rechabites, who has a covenant with God, a perpetual covenant that they shall always stand, uh, be, be one, a part of this tribe that would stand before God. So what's interesting about this group of people, they're not Israelites. They're a group of nomadic people that dwelled in Israel. And so this caused me to do some research to get some understanding of who the Rechabites were. We do understand that the Rechabites came from a man called Rechab, and he had a son named Jonadab. 
So that much is clear based on this passage here in Jeremiah chapter 35. So who is Rakab? Rakab was a part of a clan. This, this is the, the family was considered a clan. And the Rakabites belonged to the Kenites. I'll spell it for you, K-E-N-I-T-E-S. Most people are not familiar with this group. But this is the family that Moses was married into. And so when Moses went into the wilderness, when he ran out of fear after killing the Egyptian man, he comes across a group of Kenites. And he marries a woman named Zipporah. Zipporah's father was named Jethro. He was a priest. And so the Kenites was a group of people, nomadic people, that Moses married into. Then Moses has the burning bush experience. He's sent by God into Egypt as a deliverer to, to set the Israelites free from bondage. And we have this story where Moses, in Exodus chapter 18, verse 2, it explains that he had sent Zipporah back. So she didn't travel into Egypt with him. He sends her back along with his two sons, and they remain with Jethro. In Exodus 18, it explains that Jethro, once they were delivered from Egypt, they go into the wilderness, and then Jethro brings Zipporah and his two sons back to Moses. At this point, there was a group of Kenites that began to travel with the Israelites. So from the very beginning, it's not just the Israelites in the wilderness. This means that the Kenites also remained in the wilderness with the nation of Israel, especially during that 40-year period where God said they could not go into the promised land. All the Israelites died off, but the Kenites are there. This also means that the Kenites went into the promised land with the nation of Israel because they were there from the very beginning. They were there when Moses put the law in place. It was Jethro, the, the father-in-law of Moses, that instructed him to lay hands on the 70 elders. This was the establishing of the Jewish court system. So now we have the upper court, which was Moses. If there's any legal issues that were too hard for them, difficult for them, they would bring it to Moses. But then people would meet with the lower courts, the 70 elders. And of course, this is now what leads to the Sanhedrin. That was Jethro's idea. And Moses followed because this was divine counsel. God gave this counsel to Jethro and Moses heard the wisdom of his father-in-law and put this in place. So this nation or, or people group, I should say, not a nation, but a people group, the Kenites, was a group of nomadic people that were there from the very beginning. Now, when we get to Jeremiah, we're talking about the exile of the nation of Israel. They've been pushed out of the promised land at this point. Daniel was a little boy at the time of Jeremiah being a prophet. So as we understand this timeline, I'm just doing this to highlight the fact that the, that the Kenites had been with the Israelites for a very, very long period of time. But now in Jeremiah 35, as God is sending Jeremiah to go talk to the Rechabites, we have this experience where he is now talking to Jazaniah. 
As I mentioned, there are three generations mentioned in verse three. Jazaniah, the son of Jeremiah, the son of Habazaniah. So that's three generations there that are mentioned. And then later on, they begin to talk about Jonadab, the son of Rakab. So this led me to search who is Jonadab. You find Jonadab's story mentioned in the story of Ahab and Jezebel. So let's take a moment and look at Jonadab's story. Now, the spelling you'll find in 2 Kings chapter 10 with Jonadab's story is slightly different than what we find in Jeremiah. In 2 Kings 10, it's spelled J-E-H-O-N-A-D-A-B. But it says that this is the son of Rakab. So let's go through this story very quickly. In 2 Kings chapter 9, we have the story of Jehu. And this is when Jehu comes in and he kills Ahaziah. This is the king of Judah. So this is 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 27. And then we'll go down where he then goes after Jezebel. And he comes to the gate of the, of the uh, city. At verse 32, he lifted up his face to the window and said, who is on my side? Who? And there looked out to him two or three eunuchs. He said, throw her down. So they threw Jezebel down and some of her blood was sprinkled on the wall and on the horses. And he trod her underfoot. And when he was come in, he did eat. He drank. He said, go see now this cursed woman and bury her for she is a king's daughter. At verse 35, they went to bury her, but they found no more of her than the skull, the feet and the palms of her hand. And this is exactly what Elijah had prophesied. Verse 36, wherefore they came again and told him, this is the word of the Lord, which he spake by his servant Elijah, saying in the portion of Jezreel shall dogs eat the flesh of Jezebel and the carcass of Jezebel shall be as dung upon the face of the field in the portion of Jezreel, so that they shall not say, this is Jezebel. You cannot find that woman's grave to, till today. You fast forward in the story, 2 Kings 10, it says Ahab had 70 sons. Jehu wrote letters and sent them to Samaria. So now he hatches this plan to go kill all the sons of Ahab. It says in verse seven, it came to pass when the letter came to them that they took the king's sons and slew 70 persons and put their heads in baskets and sent him them to Jezreel. And there came a messenger. They told him, saying they have brought the heads of the king's sons. And he said, lay ye them in two heaps at the entering in of the gate until the morning. And so this is the story of the sons of Ahab being killed. And this is where we get now to the story of Jonadab at verse 15. We're going to jump down. It says when he had departed, he lighted on Jonadab. So he comes across Jonadab, the son of Rakab, coming to meet him. He saluted him and said unto him, is thine heart right as my heart is with thy heart? And Jonadab said, it is. If it be, give me your hand. And he gave him his hand and brought him into the chariot. Verse 16, and he said, come with me, see my zeal for the Lord. So they made him ride in his chariot. So these two men travel off together. They go into Samaria where he slew all that remained unto Ahab in Samaria till he had destroyed him 
according to the saying of the Lord, which he spake to Elijah. So Jonadab participated in cutting off the bloodline of Ahab and Jezebel. So now when we do the timeline, as we get to Jeremiah chapter 35, this is a huge jump in the story. So I was trying to figure out how much time between Rachab and Jonadab, who's involved with Ahab and, and uh, Jezebel. And then we get to the story of Jeremiah talking to Jazaniah. And if you read through the writings, you'll find that they, they determined that it was roughly about 250 years, 250 years between Jonadab and Jazaniah. Which is fascinating to me because that means these people, this family, when they said our father Jonadab, they weren't talking about a grandfather. We knew who the grandfather was. The grandfather was Jeremiah. The great grandfather was Habazaniah. So I couldn't have put the timeline together based on the information we have in the scriptures. But the Jewish writings revealed that it was a roughly 250 year period. And these, this family is talking about a man that died 250 years earlier and they're still obeying what he said. This is why this family, they weren't tempted by God. When God said, bring them wine, no, they weren't being tempted. God was not tempting them. He was exposing their integrity, their willingness to listen to a man. And because of this, God entered into a perpetual um, covenant with this family. But the nation of Israel, Judah, Refuse to listen to the prophets, refuse to listen to the man of God, refuse to listen to God speaking to them. This family of Nazarites became an example, not just to them, but I believe they are an example to us of how we are to live. Can we hear the Lord when he speaks to us and obey his voice? Thank you for joining us on today. Until next time, be blessed. You have been listening to Good Treasure Podcast Show with your Bible teacher, Darius Good. This was a Good Treasure Ministries production. Darius is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center and author of the books Unlocking Godly Wisdom, Fear of the Lord, David, Man of War, and the children's book series The Adventures of Rai Rai. To learn more about these books or to listen to other episodes of our podcast show, visit our website today at DariusGood.com. For more information regarding the church, visit the church's website at bgc.family. We pray that today's episode has brought revelation and enlightenment. Please like, share, and subscribe to our podcast show. And until next time, may God open unto you his good treasure. Be blessed.